Welcome, everyone. It's a good day to be in God's Word. I'm Joel Van Hoogen, and this is The Bread of Life. Our program is presented by the International Disciple-Making Ministry, Church Partnership Evangelism. Let me encourage you to learn more about the amazing work that we're doing around the world. You can do that by going to traincpe.org, or to learn about our Missions Fellowship in Boise, Idaho, go to breadoflifeboise.org. But for now, let's turn our focus to 2 Kings chapter 2, verses 23 and 24. It's an awful account of 42 little boys from the city of Bethel who were attacked by bears after Elisha the prophet curses them when they mock him. Now here's the context for our lesson. Elisha has begun a ministry advertising God's mercy and grace to the people of Israel when they remain in their sins. And Elisha is going to continue this ministry throughout his career. But just here, at the starting point of this work, he sets a curse upon a community whose attitude is disdain for the God of Israel and a disdain for his message of grace. So this dreadful curse comes upon the community, and the message is plain. Don't mistake God's mercy for weakness. The pure heart of God that wants to bless those that He has created and made. He's not seeking fulfillment in your salvation. His goodness and grace is not a weakness to be taken advantage of. That's our next point. This good and gracious God is to be held in awe. You presume upon God's grace at your own risk. If you take advantage of God's goodness and the desire to be good to you as a kind of permission for arrogance and carelessness and even delay in your surrender to Him, you do it facing great peril. God's grace and God's goodness does not nullify the severity of your sin or the severity of His judgments, and you should not, because of His grace, make little of His goodness and take His goodness as a license to live defying His will. God's grace should never influence you to be inattentive to your sin, your pride, your self-exaltation against Him. God doesn't immediately punish sin and also extends to the sinner even as they continue in sin, ongoing goodness. Yet this is not a reason to feel free to sin or to advance self before the ground that a good and gracious God keeps giving you If you keep taking what God gives you and all His goodness to extend to you, to enable you, and to entice you, and to turn you to Himself, if you keep taking that goodness and you receive it as a source of entitlement, and in it you keep going in ongoing rebellion against Him and defiance against Him, God, in a sense, is only extending to you rope that you're going to hang yourself with. By the way, this is the often found response to those who are unappreciative of the goodness of God and unrepentant before God. They look at the things that they're experiencing, the good things they're experiencing, and they basically reason themselves, if he's not going to punish it, we're going to continue doing it. He's not going to stop me. I'm going to keep at it. If God's going to bless me regardless of my behavior, then why should I behave any other way? He is being good to you. Every single day he's being good to you. And you're taking the goodness of God and you're using it as a permission slip and a pass to pursue your own self-interest. Because you think that's what it means. and That's how you're interpreting it. Go back to Romans chapter 2, verse 4 that I read to you. But let me read to you verses 3, 4, and 5. Just a brief amount of editing 
Just leaving out a few words only because I just want you to get the main point here. In verse 3 it says there, Do you think this, O man, that you will escape the judgment of God? And do you think because your life is being good and God is not holding to account for what you're doing and God is still blessing you that you're going to escape the judgment of God? Or do you despise the riches of His goodness and His forbearance and long-suffering? Do you despise that God is graciously being good to you, that He's putting up with you and He's being patient with you, not knowing that the goodness of God is meant to lead you to repentance? But accordance with the hardness of your own impenitent heart, you're treasuring up. All the while that God is being good to you, you're treasuring up for yourself wrath in the day of wrath and the revelation of the righteous judgment of God. You think God is somehow giving you a permission slip and He's not watching and He's not going to act and that God is just pathetically trying to gain your favor and God is weak and you don't need Him? You don't understand that all the while God is treasuring up judgment against you? The nation of Israel is going to be exposed during the ministry of Elisha to one miracle after another that will demonstrate God's desire to bless and heal. They're going to receive reports and accounts throughout the life of Elisha of blessings and healings and restorations and victories and provisions from God. And all these things stood in contrast to the spirit of the nation that had yet to turn to God and actually never really would. But to these stories was added this one story that was told of what happened in Bethel on a day when the children of Bethel came out mocking God's work and the power of God and mocking God's prophet. That on occasion, a horrific judgment came upon the city of Bethel, the place that was called the house of God. A city once blessed by God, a place where heaven had once opened up as a portal from which God would send down graciously His angels to care for Deceiving Jacob, even before Jacob had totally turned to God. In that blessed place, God poured out this curse upon the children and parents alike because they scoffed at the grace of God and held God lightly. And this happened, by the way, right after God had come to Jericho, which was under a curse. And God had lifted that curse because they willingly sought God's favor and they sought God's blessing and they followed the instruction that God's prophet brought to them. So again, here's the lesson. The grace of God is not a weakness. And even in grace, God is to be held in awe. And we're to approach Him with care and attentiveness. Israel and all the miraculous blessings that God is performing through Elisha to demonstrate His great heart to bless you, don't presume upon it. Remember what God did in Bethel. Remember the great tragedy that happened in Bethel. God's grace to you And your life is not a permission slip for self-importance or self-satisfying, self-vindicating, self-pleasing, for a self-seeking lifestyle. Take your Bibles for a moment and turn to Romans 12, verses 17 through 21. Let's look at it in another way. Romans 12, 17 through 21. Here's what we read. Repay no evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. In other words, let your thought, let your consideration be those things which are good to all people. If it's possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him drink. 
for in so doing you heap coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. It's God's instruction through the prophet Paul to the people and to us. Now, God is not asking you and I to do anything that he doesn't do himself. God withholds his judgment upon people and his wrath upon people who oppose him. Instead, God regards, God considers that which would be an expression of goodness in their lives, to bless them. He considers goodness before all men. He gives drink and he gives food to those whose hearts despise him and make light of his favor. He gives food and drink to those who consider themselves by their attitudes and their rebellion enemies against them. And he does this, and as he does this, he is laying coals of conviction on their head. And these coals of conviction can have two results. One is they can burn through their resistance until they break down and they repent and they say, Oh God, you're so good. You've been so good and I've been so hard and so disobedient to you. I think that's the ultimate way in which our goodness is supposed to impact people's lives. I think that's ultimately what God is looking for in our goodness is that our goodness, like the goodness of God, is meant to lead people to repentance. I had a woman in my church, Diane. She had a husband who was a... Uh, very abusive alcoholic. Uh, we would have suggested, people nowadays would suggest that God doesn't want you to live in that kind of situation. You ought to just divorce him and secure some better life for yourself and not live under that kind of difficulty. She understood God had called her to live out the grace of the gospel before her husband. And that as Christ loved us while we were yet sinners and while we were still enemies, he endured and he loved us and he pursued us with goodness, she would do the same. She was a sad case in a sense because it was a difficult life for her. And the last time I saw Diane, or the last time I'd left Diane when we left the city that we were ministering in, she was still struggling with her husband John in this way. Well, I saw Diane about 15 years after that. I'd been invited back to the church to speak at their 40th anniversary of the church. And she was beaming. And I asked about what had happened to John. And she said, oh, Joel, about a year ago, John died. But about a year and a half prior to that, John came to his sin and he confessed it and he repented it and he, and he received Jesus as his savior and God delivered him from his alcoholism and that year and a half with him was such a blessed time. By then he had destroyed his liver. He didn't live much longer after that. But it was such a reward and such a blessing and the goodness of God leading men to repentance. Calls of goodness and favor regarding goodness laid upon the head of a man bringing them to confess and repent. I think that's what God is going for. That's what the goodness of God is seeking out. But if a person fails to respond to God's goodness and kindness, but instead persists in obstinate pride and rebellion against them, the result of these coals will be that they will break out upon them in judgment. How God wants His grace to roll over the lives of individuals. God cannot hardly restrain Himself in His goodness poured out upon individuals, even goodness that would prepare them and condition them to turn from self to seek Him in His pleasure. But the gospel and the goodness of God is not a permission slip for self and sin. The blood that Jesus Christ shed for our sins was shed to cleanse us and purchase us and claim us and bind us in love to Him and to His will. The great story of Elisha's life is that of grace continued, and goodness continued from God and being poured over the people of Israel even when they would not turn away from their sins. <laughs> and yet the miracles will go on and on and on to this idolatrous and rebellious people 
And this one event is recorded here as a correction to keep the people from misunderstanding God's goodness as weakness. He's not weak. He's not desperate to be loved and desperate to be honored. He's good and yet he's strong and he's just and he's severe in his punishments. And the day came when Israel's abuse of God's goodness and grace ended. Assyria came and snatched the people out of the land and they never returned. Israel had for too long ignored this lesson of a severe God who wants to be gracious and good. Instead, they presumed upon that goodness and grace of God until there was no remedy for them. And we must never make that mistake ourselves or teach others to make that mistake. We have to be most careful ourselves not to abuse the grace that God daily extends to us or to construe it in any way as a permission slip to live sloppy lives and self-satisfying lives. It's meant to lead us to Him and lead others to Him as well. But we should, by the way, live this kind of graciousness ourselves, shouldn't we? We should live out this kind of goodness ourselves, shouldn't we? We shouldn't concern ourselves for how it's misinterpreted and how people might misconstrue it. Judgment is God's. Vengeance is God's. Our assignment is grace and goodness. And because God has been gracious to us, we must remember to be gracious to others. If we don't give this kind of life and this kind of example, we might wander into the woods ourselves where bears are lurking.